When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It is going to be fun. There's Define going to be fun. Mackey and Judd. It's not always going to be easy. It could cause plenty of angst. On 1500 ESPN. Louie Nanny joins us as he does every Thursday. And uh, sir, start you off with this one. Your thoughts on, on the Capitals. Finally making it back to the finals for the first time in 20 years and uh, playing a team that, that is in year one. That this, is, this is going to be fun. It's very intriguing with an expansion team against a Capitals team that finally got back to the finals. Well, I think the storylines are great for the media and uh, for the people that are hockey fans. It's going to be really a lot of, of fun and it's going to be interesting to see how the series goes and, uh, and how the people are taken to it. I, I, I'm very happy that Washington got in. Uh, you know, Brian McClellan, uh, he uh, he was a member of our North Star team here. Yeah, traded GM. From, from New York, and yep. and he came here and uh, married Neil Broaden's sister-in-law, uh, sister-in-law, and really, uh, yeah, and he made his home here. He still comes here, lives Lake of the Isles in the summer, and uh, he actually was in my business for a while. And and we had lunch one day, and he said, Louis, I, I don't know if I could do this anymore. I really want to get back in hockey. So I said, well, George McPhee's there. Your buddy that you went to school with and grew up with, he said, yeah, I'm going to give him a call. And uh, so, you know, he, he went and worked for Washington, and George was the guy that got him started in management. Now, George is the general manager of Vegas, and yep. Brian is the general manager of uh, Washington. So it's terrific for those guys. These storylines, too, as you just said, are great. Uh, I, I love the fact, so we've got McPhee was fired by the Capitals, correct? And mm-hmm. then started right. the the uh, fr- franchise. Now, to me, what's incredible, though, is when you look at the Golden Knights, too, Louis, and you look at, and we, we could talk about, you know, the Wild certainly uh, lost a couple of good players, but the Florida Panthers, you have, what, Marcia Show, uh, Riley, is that correct? And Gerard Gallant. <laughs> Yeah, and how about that Gerard Glant story? That that was unbelievable because he got fired, and the general manager uh, was different. And Dale Talon had been the general manager. He hired Gerard Glant, and then the owners made a change during the year after they had a great season. I think Gerard was up for coach of the year there too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they made Dale president and uh, brought in you know kid from San Antonio and. Uh, he became general manager, and then when the team wasn't going well, they fired Gerard Gallant. And, uh, like, Talon didn't know anything about it. And he was at practice. He called and told him he was fired. He had to get a cab from practice to the airport to go home. 
And Gerard uh, Galan's wife was out with Talon's wife, I hear, at the same time. And he called to tell her <laughs> he was fired. And she told Dale's wife. And Dale told Dale. <laughs> told, uh, the wife told Dale. Yeah. So I let's. Let, I think William Carlson was one of the names judges threw out there too. If not, I want to throw him out. And I yeah. this this sort of dovetails into a maybe a Paul Fenton conversation too. If you're the Wild and you're looking to tweak your roster, and there are apparently guys like William Carlson who are just under the radar, scoring six goals and then nine goals, and then all of a sudden, like he gets to a new new coach, new system, new organization, whatever it is, that there's a 43 goal scorer in there. Are there like hidden gems around the league? Are there ten of them that are just waiting to be plucked and put into a better situation that that Paul Fenton can find? How does that? It's it's the William Carlson story is amazing to me. Well, you know, it, it's an opportunity in the right place. And are there ten? I would doubt it, but there there might be. Uh, let's remember that Carlson was sitting there with Columbus, and he was in the fourth line. And whether Fenton or David Poyle or Chuck Fletch or anybody, why didn't anybody else think about that at the time? Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't expected to do that. And, and uh, you know, I mean, when you got a guy sitting there in your fourth line like that, and with that kind of potential, if the team that has him doesn't realize the potential and somebody else wants to get him, they're not going to have to pay as high a price, right? Yep, exactly. So, Louis, when, when Fenton and, uh, and Craig in, in particular as well talk about tweaks, do you buy that, that there's simply tweaks coming, or is that, that just the smart thing to say at this point? Because Fenton's past, uh, if, if you look at what Poyle did uh, with him as the assistant GM in Nashville, certainly indicates that, that that organization was not afraid to make some blockbuster trades. Yeah, but that's David Poyle, and that's going back to If you remember when David took over, in fact, we were at a meeting in, Washington, in uh, Montreal, and he just took over Washington. And he's flying home. I remember because he called me and said, Louis, I, I think I got a chance to make this deal. I said, who is it? And it was for Langway. He gave up Brian Walter, remember? And, and he got remember Langway well. and somebody else. Yep. I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, no, that was his first deal. David's never been afraid to make a deal. Never been afraid to make a deal. So, you know, that, and, and it's good that Paul was there, and he, he, he's seen David do these kind of things. But this is, this is a Poyle trademark. It goes back to 1982. So do, do you think that Fenton learned from that, or Definitely, will be more I'm conservative, sure. well, do you think? You know what? No, I think Fenton learned from it, and I think that, you know what you learn to, and, and I'm, I'm sure that Paul, he talks that way, so I'm sure he, he learned that way. When you're on an organization like that, and you're in, obviously you're involved in, you know, I never made a, a trade without talking to all my people, and 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 you're involved in an organization that's making trades like that, you know what you get? You get a willingness to make a trade. Mm-hmm. Because it's really tough for some people to come in that aren't involved in that type of an organization, and they become a general manager to make a deal. When they got to finally pull the trigger, especially in the big one, it, it's, it's, I've seen different reactions from guys. But I'm sure Fenton has no problem in making a big trade if, if that presents itself. Now, that's more than a tweak. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, you know it is. I, mean? I, yeah, I don't know what they mean by tweaks. I'm still trying to figure that one out because uh, I don't think you can tweak yourself to the Stanley Cup if you've been out of, out of the playoffs in the first round for six years in a row, basically. 
Don't you think though that uh, that when when they they say tweak, they're probably think, thinking that they want to ride the fence now, at, at least in, in their words, because you've got a, a lot of pe- people who pay a lot. And I think if you say we're, we're going to blow it up, the perception of some is going to be, oh boy, you're going to miss the playoffs, Lou. So I think I think tweak is probably just a safe way to to straddle a line right now. But if you certainly get presented with an opportunity to make a major trade that could change the face of the franchise, I wouldn't be shocked if they do it. No, they would do it. I'm sure they'd do it. And I'm sure, you know, Paul could talk about tweaking and Greg could talk about tweaking, but I'm sure they're looking for a way to to make major trades, (laughs) more than tweaking. Because, uh, you know, tweak suggests that you just have a part here or there. You had this one player in this one spot, and then you... You're safe to go. You know what I mean? Yep. I, 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 I got to tell you, they're going to have to tweak themselves to get in the playoffs and not not taking anything away from the wild. But we have to remember that Edmonton, Calgary, and Dallas were all good teams to yeah. miss the playoffs. And, and the Central's great, yeah. Agency. So yep. it's going to be interesting. And it's not that the Wild's a good team. Wild's a good team. But unfortunately, there's a lot of good teams in the Western Conference, and that's why we get good teams missing it every year. So the, the first focus has got to be make sure we stay in the playoffs with any kind of help we can get from tweaks to go even farther in the first round. Louis, given the guys uh, who can and can't be moved, who do you think is uh, potentially the, the biggest name that might be dealt that, that will come as a surprise to the fan base here? Well... I, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if if they went to Koivu and, and asked them for some teams that uh, they could trade them to and see. But if I were them, I I asked I go to the teams first to find out where I can make a deal before seeing. Okay, w- would you accept the trade to to Vancouver, for instance? And and if Vancouver says they would make a trade already. They told you that, then you can make the deal. I wouldn't go to him first and say, give me a list of teams. And then uh, I'll try and trade you there, because then right away you're you're already dealing with the guy's mind that that they're going they're going to try and trade you, and, and if you're not successful trading them, now essentially you got a disgruntled player in your hands. Yeah. Do you think it, if you got to the point where a team said, you know what, we would we would take Miko, and here's the outline, and then you went to Miko, how do you think that conversation would go on his end? Well, you know, right now you you got to feel that. Uh, Miko's been a terrific player here for a long time. He's been a, a, a great, great player, and and he. But he's a, you know, he, he's a more checking centerman right now. He's not going to provide the kind of offense maybe that they want to get because you don't know how long Stahl's going to be able to produce like he did. So you you really do need a productive center there, and and maybe if it's somewhere where Miko has got some connection or is intrigued by going, he might. You know, he, he'd go. And I just, frankly, I just feel that he's such a proud guy, and he's been so good. If they come to you and say, we want to, tra-, you know, they have a place for him to go, and they come with that, that he might take it because he might just be so ticked off that they don't want him here. And, and this pride will say, yeah, get me out of here. You don't want me, get me out of here. Yeah. And like- I know, I know uh, one time Ren Blair said that to me, uh, would you go to Detroit if I traded you? I said, damn right. I, I said, if you don't want me, I'd love to go to Detroit. Yeah. And then I said that because it was affecting my pride. And they said, well, I'm not trading you there. You probably played for 10 years. I said, well, why'd you ask the question? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and, and obviously, the, the connection Paul Fenton has to 
the uh, the Shea Weber PK Subban trade, where on mm-hmm. paper people looked at that and it's like, okay, well you're, you're swapping, you know, what's it's it's not the classic stud player for prospects or draft picks trade where one team's rebuilding. You're probably gonna have, if if you're gonna get a guy to, to waive a no move clause, it's gonna have to be to a contender, you would think, and so therefore you'd be trading. You'd be trading established player for established player, just trying to shuffle up chemistry or whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and you know you're going to be able to find trades uh, around the league that you can make. But here's a very, very cautionary thing I would say: you got to watch who you're trading and when you're trading them. You never want to trade from weakness. And right now, two of his most talked about trade. People that are on the market, they say, Coyle and Niederreiter. Well, you know, I'd be very careful about trading either of them right now until, first of all, I think Niederreiter is, you know, he was hurt, and he's still got 18 goals or so. I, I, I would not even be thinking of trading him because I don't know where I'm going to get a player comparable to come back with what he can produce and what he's shown he can produce. And Coyle is one that's, down at 10 goals, that's really got a much greater upside than 10 goals. And so you're trading them from a weak position. Unless some other general manager wants to overpay, which I can't see happening right now, unless you know something about a player like William Carlson that yep. the team doesn't know about him, then you got to be careful with how you're trading. You might have to wait a month or six weeks into the season and let him show that, uh, you know, he, he coils for instance, is having a different year, and then, then maybe you go around and make your trade. So, Lou, do you think uh, that when Seattle comes in the league, which I think is going to be approved in uh, June to come in in 2020-21, do you think the expansion rules w- will change? Because, I mean, they're, they're going to pay, what, six fifty, I think, to get in, and the Golden Knights paid 500 if I'm not mistaken. Do you, do you think that they're going to be successful in, in tweaking the expansion rules to not make it so uh, favorable a draft? I'd be shocked if they did. I agree, yeah. I have to tell you, first of all, you got a team that's going to pay an exorbitant amount of money to get a franchise, way more than, than Vegas to start with. Second, look how exciting and what a storyline this has been to have Vegas perform this way. I mean, that, the league has gotten more publicity out of this this year than anything I can remember. They've benefited in more ways by having a strong franchise in Las Vegas coming in as an expansion team. Sure, you're going to have owners that are disgruntled because these guys produced so well and, and outplayed their own teams. But, my God, mm-hmm. I, I, the one thing the NHL needs is exposure. They need more eyeballs on the TV sets so they can get bigger TV contracts to, to be able to get closer to the other three major sports. Well, this certainly has been a captivating story, even in non-hockey markets. I think the one thing that's going to change about the Seattle expansion draft is I think we're going to see teams provide their list of protected players and say, pick a player. But if you go back, the one thing that uh, that McPhee did such a great job was was these, okay, I won't take this guy, but give give me two or three things. That's exactly right. And that's the, that's the way it should have been in the first place. I don't know, you know, you got to watch when you're giving assets away freely just because you're making a, a bet on a certain guy. Because you have to remember, you don't know who he's going to pick anyway from your team. Because, you know, he might say you wanted, you don't want to lose this one defenseman and you're sure he's going to pick him. Well, he might have found in their judgmental minds, they might have had six other defensemen they covered better. So 
rather than give up assets, you got to bite the bullet and say, okay, I'm going to lose one of these guys, but I'm only losing one. I'm not going to lose an extra draft choice. I'm not going to lose an extra player. Assets are hard to come by. Yeah. Uh, hey, last thing for you here, Lou, since I, I believe we're going to be at least a couple games into uh, the Stanley Cup Finals next time we talk. What's your what's your official prediction? Who do you think wins? I think Vegas wins. I thought Tampa could win Vegas, uh, and I can, and I don't think Washington could beat them. Uh, frankly, you know, I, I I like to see Brian McClellan do good. I, I really like George McPhee, too, but I, I'm a big Ovechkin fan. I think this would be... A, Crown and boy, has he played like he wants it badly. He's been but great. This would be the you know the, uh, the the crowning moment for him, and 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 he might not let his team lose. Let me put it that way. But Flurry is has not been hot and cold. He's been hot all the way through. And if he can continue that, it's going to be tough for Washington to beat. Holtby has been a little hot and cold. You know, he's had some games. And and you you don't want to just give away a game. He can't be cold in one game. Give away a game. Games are too too important right now. And I I don't know. Flurry reminds me of the Flurry that won the first cup. He certainly isn't the one that didn't play any good in the playoffs after that for a long long period of time. That's why Pittsburgh went to Murray. Yeah. All right, Lou. Thanks, Louie. See you next okay, week. Okay, guys. Thanks for talking to you. Lou and Annie every Thursday. Uh, let's do our Lunetti post game show. All right. When we come back, Roy Smalley will join at 11:30 as well. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Prepare to be dazzled on 1500 ESPN. The puck along the right hand side, and for Callahan, a hit at center as Kunitz was hit shoulder to shoulder by Tom Wilson. A hit on the right side, and now Kuznetsov across to Ovechkin. He scores! He scores! One minute and two seconds into game seven. The great eight has made it one. Nothing. All right, so just based off something Lou told us in that last segment, he said, go to a, go to a team and ask about Miko. Don't tell Miko yet, but go to a team. It'd probably have to be a contending team because you can't just, you're not just going to be able to ship Miko Koivo off to uh, Phoenix. Yeah, he's you know? not going to, yes. So go to a contending team, Yep. come up with framework if a team is interested, and then go to Miko and say, all right, it's been a great run for you. It's been like 15 years in this or whatever, in this organization. It's been a great run for you. But we got to shake things up. We want to give you a chance to compete for a cup, maybe get you a little uh, you know, fresh set of teammates, fresh environment. So we've agreed in principle, if you're cool with it, to trade you to X team. Mm-hmm. How does that conversation go on Miko's end? Is there any chance he would accept a trade? I think if it's the right team, yes. I think if you go to him, uh, if it's the Canucks, absolutely not. I think if it's a a team that's got a chance to win and and he could he could fit in as a second or third line more more likely third line center for that team and let's say it's a team that needs that type of player to potentially win a cup really pretty good defensively still can win some faceoffs and you say hey you know what privately here Miko in confidence we're tweaking a lot. And I can't guarantee you. I can't guarantee you that we're a playoff team. I think we are, but I'm not sure. But I'm. But I'm about to trade you to a team that is most definitely a playoff team, in which you you could make an, an extended uh, run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And keep in mind, at your age, it's getting to the point now where where if that doesn't happen for you soon, it probably won't happen. I think he probably says yes. So you tell him that, but thinking really in your mind that oh, this trade's going to help us be better in the playoffs. 
Uh, or do you trade no, him for? No, I tra- no, I don't know that that would be the thought process. I think what you would be thinking is this trade's going to potentially change. It's going to change how our franchise is set up for future success. I don't know how good this team is going to be if you leave all these parts in place for the most part for 2017 or for 2018, 19. I think they're a playoff team. But Lou's right. The Central Division's really good. The conference is very good. You, you had at least three teams that went from being competitive to being non-competitive that could very quickly bounce back. Uh, so if if I'm Fenton, my goal is to say, what can I do to have to set this up for sustain, sustained success going forward, knowing that the, win, the window that was presented with Chuck's moves is really closing. Reckless speculation. Yeah. Is Miko the guy that you would... Like, if you could rank the three guys that you would for sure look to shop. Brodeen, I think, would be my well, number one. Well, I can't shop her. I can't go to Preezy and Suterby because the, I, I can't offload those contracts. There's no team in their right mind that's going to take those contracts, mm-hmm. especially given the age of the two players. Uh, the Koivu idea is a solid one. I am tempted. I would be very tempted, and this would be way more than a tweak. I'd be very uh, – I would at least make calls on, on Eric Stahl. 40-plus goals going into the last year of an incredibly reasonable contract, and he's 32 or so, I would at least make phone calls. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if they, behind the scenes, very quietly uh, shop Spurgeon. Spurgeon's a good player, and I li- like him a lot, but if you, you're you going to need to shop those type of guys to get something back, to mm-hmm. get a good good return. And a and a one-for-one Spurgeon-type deal for would be the type of deal that, that Fenton might make. Um, so if I, but if I could do it, I think Koivu is a very good, good idea to at least see if he would wave his no move, uh, stall for sure. And I'll tell you my third is Granlund. I don't think Granlund's a playoff player. I just don't. I think he's a regular season player. And I think that when, when he's going good, he is a, a Harlem Globetrotter type of, oh my God, he just made that move. But when you get to the playoffs and, and the space in the neutral zone gets clogged up and it gets very hard to move, Granlin disappears a lot. And he probably still has the most value of any of these guys you're mentioning just just because the perception. he's kind of, yeah, There's he's still young enough. He's not 21 anymore, but he's still young enough. And, yes. and there's a perception that, oh, if we just like, man, if we, we, could, we could get X, Y, and Z out of him and playoff small sample size, which I tend to lean that way a little bit here too. I mean to like make judgments off of twenty thirty game samples. Oh, this is a little is a, bit aggressive. This but. is this is a guess to a certain point. But you got to do something exactly. So exactly, and what and what you can say with confidence is you have a team that that while it can be streaky and drive you mad, is competitive during the season. But when you get to the spring, they're really not. So why? Why? Because mm-hmm. they don't have enough guys. If you watch the speed and size of these teams playing now, the Wild has those things. But they don't outdo the, the teams currently playing, and the question becomes why. And, and reckless speculation. And the, the other thing to keep in mind too, and and the the statistical people can poo poo this, but too you also have to accept the fact that you've been going now for quite a while with the same core group, and it might not, it just might not work. I mean, sports you've got to have. It's not all based on on chemistry. But it partially is. For sure. And and when you have had this locker room together and the same captain and the same veterans for as long as this team has, I think it's sometimes you just have to say the pieces don't necessarily fit. It doesn't make them bad players. And there's value there to shop them and trade them. 
but your chemistry might need to just be shaken up. Yeah. Dave, what do you got next for us and stuff you should know about? We'll find out what Chuck Barkley was doing last night. Uh, big birthday to celebrate, and the rules of baseball are a-changing. Cool. Uh, Judd's going to kick us off here with some prime mortgage lending speak. I am indeed, and if you are looking for a mortgage company, I do want to talk to you about my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough in particular. And I want to tell you something very important when, when it comes to Prime and Kent. This isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you a loan. That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is sit down with you, meet with you first. They want to explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. That's because for Kent and Prime, this is about a couple of very important things. It's about collaboration. It's about teamwork. It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you that sound advice and straight answers that you need that you will get from the folks at Prime and from Kent. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? You heard that right. Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. For more information, uh, go to their website, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Go Prime with Kent, K-E-N-T. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. How long did the show last? More than seven hours. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring with Indeed? You can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at at Indeed.com slash hire. Mackie and Judd Show, give me a go, no go for stuff you should know about. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, all you go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. All right, Dave Harrigan, go ahead and launch. Let's do it. Happy 45th birthday to Big Sexy Bartolo, our favorite twin of last year. Still going with the Rangers. And because we're celebrating Bartolo's 45th, I just stumbled across on Twitter a little Jason Stark trivia. So let's do it with you boys. It's not Tuesday, but what the heck, huh? Love it. Let's do this. Jason Stark trivia. Non-knuckleballers who have won 10 games in the live ball era after turning 45. Non-knuckleballers with at least 10 wins live ball era after turning 5. He lists 4. Give me 3 of the 4 and you are a winner. Jamie Moyer pitched till he was almost 50. And he got 39 wins after the age of 45. Nolan Ryan had to have done it because he was very successful. He got... Ten on the nose, so Ooh. yes. Hold on, let's get a, give ourselves a couple dings. There. All right, so you got dings. Mo- you right. got Moyer. I got Nolan Ryan. There's two left, and we need one of them non knuckleball. Ooh, I'm trying to think of geezer pitchers. Those are like the two most noteworthy yeah. ones. Yes. How old are we talking? Like in our lifetimes for any of these other two? Well, I mean, Judd's pretty old, but thanks, Dave. That'd be tough to say that. Ah, oh, boy. I I. I got nothing. Satchel, the Satchel Page. Give yourself a third oh, ding, yeah! my man. Well done. Beautiful. Bang. That's right. That was good. We had 18. The fourth, Woo. Jack Quinn. 37 wins for oh, him. Oh, sure, Jack Quinn. Yeah, yes. I remember him well. Listening to his games on <laughs> yeah. the radio and uh, c- catching him on, on the baseball package. Right. Once his, a while. his wife was uh, the medicine yeah, woman. <laughs> I was going to go with the same line. Oh, boy. Married to Dr. Quinn, yes. That's great. <laughs> 
Injured Max not amused at all. Not Injured Max has no idea what we're talking about. No, he about. doesn't. He's Doctor Quinn, his Medicine head. Woman. No. That's way before with, with Jane, uh, Jane Seymour, I believe. Yes. And she was a Bond girl. Welcome back to in feeling the late like 70s. me, boys. Welcome to feeling old. Yeah, I didn't know she was a Bond girl. Which one was she in? Uh, she was. was she in Live and Let Die. I want to say. I think she was in one of the tarot card yeah, readers in, in uh, Live and Let Die. Sure. I only know her from Doctor Quinn and then Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. She was the horny mom. Yes, <laughs> that was the great scene. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Alrighty then. Charles Barkley, he likes basketball, likes to talk about basketball. This morning he joined Get Up on ESPN, and Michelle Beadle asked him about basketball. Hey, Charles, I want to ask you this. Ty Lue referenced it. We saw a lot of LeBron. He looked a little tired last night. Is that the same thing that you saw, and, and is it even fair to call him out on it? Well, I'm not going to lie, Michelle. I actually went and saw Justin Timberlake last night, so I didn't watch any other game. <laughs> All right, Charles, thanks for joining. <laughs> he doesn't like the playoffs. He said that before. He has said he has said last two years or so that if given a choice between a hockey and and basketball playoff game, he'll watch hockey. Why why is it because he's, he, he's, he's post traumatic stress syndrome from his I think he thinks failures in the playoffs? I think he finds them boring most of the time. He's talked about it. But then why then does he just find basketball to be boring? Because well, probably. Okay. He's Barkley. He makes millions. He well, like, how can the playoffs be boring? And I'm not saying like, I know mm. there's people who think the basketball is boring. No, I'm just boring, telling but, you what he said. But if you like if you like the regular season more yeah. than the postseason, that's weird. <laughs> I'm just going to give you the option. Do you know want to know what Skip Bayless tweeted about LeBron last night? I saw or it. should we just skip it? I saw it. I'll I, take it. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, let's take it. Yeah, we'll it up. Skip it. No pun intended. This wow. is just pathetic, Skip wrote. LeBron is sitting on the scorer's table, chugging water, trying to show the gullible witnesses he's, quote, dehydrated. Next... We'll hear he's suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome. Unreal. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not even going <laughs> to. Did you see the Darren Ravel reply then? Because he, he likes to retweet it and point out how bad uh, Skip's show is doing. Uh, uh, Richard Deitch does that. Oh, Deitch, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ravel but would he, never do that. But he came back, Deitch came back with the whole thing about it. it's amazing that 1,050 people or some, it, it was great. He, yeah, how he like, just cuts them down how every like time. like a rerun of Perfect yes. Strangers yes, is doing 300,000 viewers, which is three <laughs> times as many as Skip's new show. That's awfully mean. A million people obviously retweeted and responded. Basically, just saying, or maybe he's just thirsty. He could just be drinking water. Yeah, he's also playing like forty-four minutes a night at the highest level any player has played at since Michael. Oh! But then, other than that, that's fine. And Kyle Korver is his wingman. So yeah, there's that. Hey, let's learn about hockey, shall we? We haven't done this in a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Snoop breaking down puck, still going strong. This is video number six or seven. Wow. Uh, supporting the NHL's playoffs today. Well, Snoop Dogg tell, teaches us a little about offsides. I wonder why players stop in front of the blue line like it's an electric fence. It's because they don't want to go offside. Offside is one of the most important rules in hockey. The blue line is like the border of the offensive zone. And to get in, you got to have the puck. To avoid crossing in first, players can straddle the line. If they still have one skate in the neutral zone, they say. But if they lift that skate up, yep. That's offside. They need to have contact with the ice. Keep that foot down, man. Judge your thoughts on offside. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that, by the way, is the stupidest rule of all time. 
If your skate's off the ice, you're offside, and we can erase the goal that that, that was just scored. <laughs> but if you kept it, oh, that's just that's fantastic. Yeah, why can't it, why can't you have your so your, your back like up in the air like a figure skater? Right. You know, you're kind of spinning around. Right. This is hockey. Yeah. It's a man's game. Not figure skating. I didn't even know about that that part of the rule until they, they erased like five goals. Because a goal a goal would be scored, and then play would continue, and then a stoppage would, would occur, and they would go back and say, upon review, the skate was up. Wow. I had no idea about that. Because so it's the Baseball fan saying, I just learned about the infield fly rule. I had no well, I idea. Knew. Come on, Judd, know your sport. I knew about offside. I didn't realize your skate couldn't be off the ground. I know about pop-ups, but I also know about the infield fly rule. It is hilarious, though, that hardcore hockey people try no, to pretend like you know what you're talking about. I, mean, I had a friend text me. We love Lou Nanny, but Lou was the same guy, too, that in the first round predicted that there's no chance Vegas goes beyond like the first or second round. And now Lou is all in on Vegas to win the championship. You hockey guys... You just flip sides every day. <laughs> Darn right. No we idea do. what you're Darn looking. right we oh, do. Like we all saw William Carlson coming for sure. Darn right we flip because sides. Because it's the guy. I'm just glad glad they got the caps instead of the lightning. For their sake. Speaking of because it's the cup. Game seven last night. Don't see this often in a game seven. Wilson with a right. His helmet is off. Yeah, they They're throwing rights. Wilson and trying to come back is Coburn. Wilson gets a right and then Loved it. Come out of the penalty box, throw down the gloves, and let's go. Yeah, it was it was a prearranged fight that actually originated from when Braden Colburn ripped off Nicholas Backstrom's jersey in a Mm -hmm. in a scuffle behind the net, and then um, and then Wilson tried to get at Colburn at that time, and they they each got I think roughing penalties. Yes, and then they arranged when they stepped out of the box. To have a Let's little set. scuffle and, and, and you can hit each other with a couple sort of weakish punches and cut our knuckles on each other's helmet. Yeah! yeah. Our, visors, yes. our visors are on. Half shields! Yes, uh, but I, as I tweeted last night, uh, I, I'm off my anti-fighting stance in hockey. I am now pro-fighting in all the other sports. Yeah, basketball would be It great. would have been great, especially at the end of that game. If you're Cleveland and you're about to fall down three games Send to two message. and LeBron took a hard foul in the third quarter, you know what? Tristan Thompson, get in there and go yeah. pick a fight with that. Not Kelly Olenek, but the guy who looks like Kelly, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> go pick a fight Kelly with that Olenek guy. Part two. Kick that guy's ass. Yeah, exactly. Send a message. Yes. Let's wrap this up with the there. new rules of baseball. Not Major League Baseball. Not Minor League Baseball. Not Legion Baseball. Not High School Baseball. We're talking eight and under baseball. These are the rules now being peddled by Major League Baseball and USA Baseball as they're trying to promote uh, promote a modified version of the game that picks up the pace and gets players a little more active. Here's what they want the rules to be for alternative formats, boys. We're running six inning games. Okay. There are four batters per inning. That's it. Each batter gets three swings, and I believe this is like coach's pitch. So there's no balls or strikes called on pitches that are taken. If there's no contact made in those three swings, they bring out the tee or the coach will uh, do a little soft toss for you. This might the help the Twins' offense right now, actually. That's really terrible to say, but you're right. Byron uh, Buxton. Hey, Byron, yeah, hey, right Byron we're bringing league. out the tee. We're also changing out the defense. <laughs> oh, we're now having six players rotating positions each inning. There's no real outfielders, just a center fielder that will roam behind the infield. Oh. There's no catchers. The coaches will handing the catch, handle the catching duties. 
Uh, we also are adding scoring bonuses for properly executed defensive plays and rewarding teams with an extra batter when players hustle out to the field in 20 mm. seconds or less. If you gave Byron Buxton a T, he'd probably still pop up to right center field at least oh, like one in every three times, right? That's awful. <laughs> would he be that guy that would hit the T in the ball? Yes. Yeah, just yeah. Down. But then he'd maybe have a chance to beat it out still. <laughs> Put it back on the team. The extendable part of the team flies out towards the pitcher's mouth. The ball just bounces. Ah, Dang it again. (laughs) All right, let's catch up with our friend, Capitals fan Chris Long, on a road trip right now. Roy Smalley later on, and then Matthew Collar. And we have some juicy Wolves reckless speculation in about 15 minutes from now, too. This is going to be glorious. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. You understand? On 1500 ESPN. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Oh, hey, guys. Mackey and Judd. You okay? Uh, On 1500 ESPN. Start with the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K on July 4th. Come out to Boom Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition and get your run and first picnic of the holiday under your belt. If you're at the lake or out of town, that's no problem. You can run the virtual Red, White, and Boom wherever you are at. For more details and to register, visit 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. FIFA Las Vegas. The Capitals are going to T-Mobile Arena Monday night. Game one of the Stanley Cup final. This improbable run, this magical spring lives on into the month of June. Unbelievable. Longer. Where are we on the road? (laughs) <laughs> We're in this horrible, you know, the horrible no man's land between Eau Claire and Madison. <laughs> oh, th- you know what? That is nothing. It's the worst. You get no phone reception, which means you're going to cut out in like 30 seconds. And I, I am a little worried about that. Everything looks the same. And they have all kinds of signs that either shame you for like even thinking about abortion or cheese signs, like just stores that My say heart was beating cheese. At Eighteen days, yeah. And a Wisconsin State Trooper just about every eight miles. Yes, but you have a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals for your favorite hockey team to uh, to carry you through. Indeed, uh, against all history, all odds, all probabilities, and the way it happened is what makes it so weird. Everybody. Everybody keeps saying, hey, how's it feel? How's it feel? I so expected it to need overtime or some, you know, gallant third period 40 save effort by Braden Holtby that, that when they scored that third goal, I went, oh my gosh, like this is, yep, like that, that, that's it. Now, of course, everybody on Twitter was, I was like, everyone, shut up right now. <laughs> and then they got that empty net, and I was like, all right, now we can start. Hey, Chris, uh, the Ovechkin angle to me, and I don't, don't know if you agree with this or not, and Ovechkin doesn't have uh, a championship or Stanley Cup experience as far as the, f- the finals go, but does it feel a little bit Elway-like to you? I mean, just the way he's playing, he's played fantastic, but I almost feel like there's this, that there because he's now gone to the finals for the first time in his career, that there's a, that there's a next step that's been taken here. And I was thinking last night, this seems Elway-like in some ways as far as his career has progressed. A little bit. I mean, there is that sort of win one for Ovi feeling among the team and especially the fans. The, the difference is, and, you know, I know Elway played a big role in those Super Bowl teams, but, I mean, you saw, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's closer to LeBron James where Alexander Ovechkin is kind of popping into this, I'm not going to let my team lose mode. 
And, you know, the way he, I mean, show me the last 50 goal scorer that threw his body around in a, in a Stanley Cup final game like Ovechkin did in game six. Uh, he wasn't as evident physically in game seven last night, but he just has this air of, you know, we've seen it. It, it. It's not so much I think the team is rallying around him as he's basically saying, everybody, let's go. Get on my back. We're going to go. And, the, you know, the criticism of Ovechkin's always been he doesn't show up in big games and he takes games off. And uh, I'd like to think he's putting that to bed here this postseason. How much do we count rings for hockey stars? Because we definitely count rings for, for quarterbacks in the NFL. We definitely count rings for superstars in the NBA, probably more than anyone, right? Like Michael Jordan, six rings. It's like a running tally. Uh, do we? How much do we care about that in the NHL, for especially for they Ovechkin? Care. I mean, they care. You've seen guys, you know, the whole thing. And what I love, it's not, you know, it's part of the because it's the cup thing. It's not the ring. It's getting your name on the cup. So let's make sure to frame it properly there, Phil. Right, right, right. Um, I'm sorry. I, I bow down. I will bow I, I, down. That's the cup. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you saw Ray Bork leave Boston where he was a legend to go to Colorado because he knew he, you know, had one last chance at winning a Stanley Cup. And there have been a couple players that have, you know, played on Midland teams. Rick Nash thought he was making that move when he left Columbus and went to New York, and that didn't work out. So a little bit, I mean, I think that if you're going to be considered, you know, among the all-time greats, you want to be able to say, you know, a 10-time All-Star, a two-time Hart Trophy winner, um, you know, to one time, you know, won the Stanley Cup in 2018 or whatever. So I don't think it's as much, for whatever reason, as it necessarily, we don't hear about it as much as we do in football and basketball, but there is still that thing where a great player just is one ounce lighter if, if, if they don't have their name on the cup. Was there a tear or two shed last night at the final horn? No, and I'm being totally honest here for two different reasons. One, and I admitted this to you guys yesterday, I was more emotional at them beating Pittsburgh than last night when they beat Tampa. Um, that was the slaying of the dragon. That was the arch rival. That was the hill that they could never seem to climb. And now, you know, I don't want to wet blanket this, but I, I was, they scored the third goal, and I went, they got a shot here. They scored the fourth goal, and I went, they're going to win this game. And until the clock hit zero, I was like, okay, beautiful, outstanding. They're going to win. And then almost immediately, I'm like, all right, now Vegas. Can they beat Vegas? Will they beat Vegas? Because, you know, it, it, it's nice to make it, but now that they're here, boy, go ahead and win. You know, four more games, please. And also, I totally predicted it. We were in a mad rush to get our newscast on last night. So right as they're winning, I'm running out to try to do the 9 o'clock show on 45. So <laughs> that also affected how much I was able to enjoy it. Uh, all right, well, what, well, how many times out of 10 do they beat Vegas? From a Capitals fan perspective, hmm. probably well four and a half only because of home ice right. advantage. Okay, um, I, I think it's a fifty-fifty matchup, but that that environment at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas has just become absolutely venomous and a really tough place to play. Not that Washington will be easy for Vegas, but so I think I haven't looked at the odds actually, but I'm sure Vegas is a slight favorite, but. I would imagine that margin of favoritism is only uh, represented by whatever the, the margin would be for home ice advantage. So yeah. I think it's a coin toss. I think it's – I hate that I'm about to say this after the way things have gone the last decade, but it's all going to be about Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, the Capitals have had this before. It's just fortunate this time it's not until round four. If he continues to do what he's done the first three rounds, Vegas has this.
Yeah. Uh, I don't care about the will of Alexander Ovechkin. It's just he's not going to be able to do anything if Flurry is as impenetrable as he had been. And I'm just hoping that uh, that that carriage turns into a pumpkin on. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here sometime in the next week and a half. Well, congratulations on your favorite hockey team getting this far, and uh, we'll live vicariously through you while we try to fix the wild here in the in the Twin Cities. And say hi to the girls in the vehicle too. Yeah, you hear Evelyn singing along in the background. She uh, wants to be a part of the call. So, yeah. is that the wild song she's singing? A little state of hockey. They're watching something on the little DVD players. I think she's singing along with some Disney song. Judd, if if those were Judd's kids, they'd be watching Law and Order reruns right now. Oh, it's a great show. Of course they would be. Darn straight. The four-year-old is fired up about the hockey. I woke her up this morning. First thing she asked me, did Washington win? So I like she's it. on board. She, she might get to stay up a little bit late here in the next couple weeks. Right on. Awesome. Enjoy the race, right, Longer. See, see you, Chris. Guys. All right, man. All right, Chris Long from uh, Five Eyewitness News. He's road trip. His family, they do it. He's got family in Indianapolis, and they've for 25 years have done the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're road tripping to uh, the Indy 500 this weekend right now. Well, we've got some reckless wolf speculation to get into. Every day there's like a this new is, layer of this. This is getting so juicy, too, right now. That's what I like about it. It's Carl Anthony Towns related, and we'll do it when we come back. And Roy Smalley will join the show at 1130 to talk some Twins baseball, too. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Way too many words. On 1500 ESPN.